Well, my brothers and sisters, today I'd like to speak and focus mostly on our, our first reading from Haggai, but I'll also maybe tie our gospel into it uh, as well. And we have today also the memorial of St. Vincent de Paul. St. Vincent de Paul was a priest from the early 1600s. That's kind of the time period in which he flourished. He was a Frenchman. But he set up a missionary order that was dedicated to the poor and to the missions in general. And that was a time period in the 1600s and the 1500s and the 1600s when the missions were expanding, expanding big time. Huge, huge uh, missions were, were being sent to, of course, the New World across the Atlantic Ocean and, and South America, Mexico and North America as well, although to a lesser extent in North America, and but also East as well, India and, and even as far as China and Japan. And so it was, it was really kind of exciting times in, in many ways. Um, a very important uh, missionary order. Recently, we had a priest from the order of uh, the, it's called the Vicentians, and uh, we had this priest come and speak to us in Lyons and in Newark. Okay, and that was this previous weekend. Yes, it was this previous weekend. Um, and I, I picked him up from the airport, and I brought him uh, into Newark. And we had a long conversation about the different pastoral problems he was facing. He was an, actually an Indian, okay, from India, who ministers uh, in Africa. And so it's kind of this interesting combination. He said the, the Africans, usually when they see an Indian, they think that he's a, that he's a businessman and they don't like him because he's, he, they think, okay, he's going to take our money and bring it out of our country. But then when they find out that he's a priest, they love him because then they, they, the, the priests of St. Vincent de Paul have a very good reputation in the particular African country that he's ministering in uh, because of the, the great charitable works that they do. They bring money in, they give, they build, they cultivate the local communities and try to make them sustainable economically. And so uh, they have great success in their ministry. So it's very encouraging to hear about all the good things that they're doing. They have these retreat centers that they set up. And he says sometimes in, in one weekend in one of these retreat centers, they'll have upwards of uh, four to 5,000 people who will come. Can you imagine that? Four? <laughs> no, I can't. They'll have upwards of four to 5,000 people that will come to these retreats. And uh, they, just, they don't know what to do. So they have these dormitories where they sleep, and they have, they have like five and six beds to a dun-dun-dun-dun, you know. And everybody's packed in like sardines, and they don't care. And there's people that, that, that more come, there's not enough beds, they don't care. They sleep on the floor, they sleep outside. <laughs> That's how, how hungry for the Word of God these African people are uh, in this particular country that he ministers in. So they're looking to build more buildings and things like that. So it's good to hear you know, the success of the, of the faith in these different third world countries and these developing countries. I said if it was Americans, you want to be able to house... Anybody, because we would need, you know, running water, we'd need electricity, we'd need a big room. Every single one of us would need one of those. <laughs> so, um, you know, amongst the poor, the gospel can really, really flourish. In Haggai today, it's very interesting what's going on here. We've got to understand the history of the temple in the Old Testament. Uh, the first person to build the temple was Solomon. And this was a long time ago, about a thousand years before the birth of Christ. So about 3,000 years ago, the temple of God was built. And it was from the very beginning meant to be an image of the church of Jesus Christ that would eventually be established in the earth. And so it's just an image or a symbol. 
but it was a very sacred place. Solomon built it, and it was glorious. And people as far as Africans came. A famous story, the Queen of Sheba comes to see the, the, the wisdom of Solomon. She's overawed. She comes from a country at that time that was very wealthy and it was had a lot of glorious things about it. And here she comes and she she admits that you know every all the riches and the wealth and the glory and the wisdom and so forth and so on of her country pales in comparison with what she's seen uh, in King Solomon's court and with the, his palace and, and the temple of God and so forth and so on. So King Solomon, his day was the heyday of the temple. So it's very interesting. Hundreds of years later, the Babylonians come in and they destroy Solomon's temple. And all the Israelites are in exile for about 70 years. And Haggai, the book that we read today, recounts the, the time period where the Israelites are brought back from captivity into the Holy Land and they're building the temple of God again. And... Uh, it says in other passages in the same book, maybe in another one, I can't remember which one, maybe it might be Nehemiah. It's very interesting because when they're finishing off the second temple, the new temple, the people from the older generation, the people from the younger generation who haven't seen the old temple are going, hurrah! But the people from the older generation who remember the original temple are crying and weeping because they see that it's not as beautiful and as glorious, not even nearly as beautiful and glorious as the old temple was. And so Haggai's word is very encouraging because he says, don't worry, the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the former. Greater than than King Solomon's temple? What does he mean? He's talking about, he's prophesying the church. And a time, he says, when all the nations of the world will bring their wealth and their treasures into the temple, and the glory of this building will be in the latter days will be greater than in the former. He's speaking about the church, the time when when Jesus's mystical body, when it would be raised from the dead. You know, Jesus in our gospel today talks about his the resurrection of his body from the dead, and that is the re, the resurrection of Jesus's body is the establishment of the latter temple. Okay, And it's full of glory, the glory of God, Jesus risen from the dead. And then we, as the members of his mystical body, together with Jesus, form this beautiful temple of God. And it's the nations, all the Gentiles, all the peoples of the world are bringing their riches and their treasures into uh, that temple and glorifying it. What are the treasures that we bring? We bring our own talents, we bring our time, we bring our energy, we bring our virtue, we bring our love. Uh, but also we bring our material wealth as, as well. And uh, so the congregation of St. Vincent de Paul, founded by Vincent de Paul, that is a, is a great example of what we're talking about here. Here are these Africans, right? We, we don't, you know, as Americans, we can't imagine the kind of piety, the spiritual journey that these people go through, the different trials that they face. Very foreign, very, very... You know, not uh, it was something we, in a certain sense we can't relate to. Nonetheless, the beauty of it all is that they are our brothers and sisters, and uh, they, along with us, form together this beautiful temple that fills the whole world. And the poor really are the treasures of the church. I'm reminded of a famous story from uh, it was Deacon uh, Saint Lawrence, I believe, it was a famous deacon from the third century in Rome, and the emperor says, "Okay." You know, you, you Christians, I want you, Mr. Deacon, because you're, ch- you're charge of all of the, uh, temporal wealth of the church. I want you to bring all of your treasures to me 
here by, you know, next Friday or whatever it was. This is a famous story. And so St. Lawrence, he brings with him all of these poor people, presents them to the emperor. And the emperor's like, what are you doing? <laughs> he says, this is the wealth. This is the treasure of the church. And so also the poor all throughout the world in these developing countries, this is the wealth of the church. But, you know, there's financial wealth is involved in all of this as well. When we're generous with God, God is generous with us. It is an absolute fact that the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church has hundreds if not thousands of charitable organizations that are established in that function underneath its umbrella. Hundreds if not thousands. And if you were to add all of those charitable organizations up and put them together, they they outsurpass any other charitable organization that comes from a secular perspective by by magnitudes, by magnitudes. The Catholic Church is the greatest charitable organization on this earth. Again, if you were to kind of put together all the different individual charitable projects and organizations that function and operate under uh, its umbrella, there's no comparison. So, and this is not a boast, but it's a uh, a praise of God that the prophecy that he's talking about in Haggai is fulfilled. It's fulfilled in us. It's all the wealth of the nations, the poor, all the, the, the money that is given, billions of dollars are given, the, church, the Catholic Church, billions of dollars are given to the poor all, all throughout the world, all through Africa and India and South America and all of these countries. And you know, if, if, we look around in Europe and America and, you know, in a lot of ways we've got all the money. But, I don't know, are we really that rich compared to the church and these other nations that have all of this faith and all of this life? Uh, so it's not a, it's not a something to get, you know, down on ourselves about, but it's something to be encouraged about. And to know that the future looks bright. That there is so much hope that God has this work for us to do so that the latter days of the temple of God will be more glorious than the former. There's so much work to do. There's so, the missions, there's souls to be saved all over the world. And so we're encouraged and we pray, we look forward in hope, and, uh, and we offer the Eucharist today, uh, with that vision, uh, of the, of the latter days of the temple being more glorious than the former.